0: CHAPTER 29 400 feet, 30 feet, 885 feet, down, across and down again, 1,285 feet. That's all he knew. That's how what kings had taught it. He would keep going deeper till he found water or couldn't go any further. The burning blow torches hung still now, provided a steady, if limited, light for each to descend by. He moved slowly to start with, his body taut, his grip frantically tight. His burned right hand was badly blistered, but the pain had eased. The expectation that every rank was about to give way made progress slow. But as they proved solid, he picked up his pace. He also noted that the bricks were still dry. He couldn't see, hear, or smell water. Wherever the water level was, it hadn't been up here for a long time. He developed a rhythm as he climbed down. Left foot, right foot, left hand, right hand, test ladder. Whoever had had the task of constructing and then fixing the ladder to the wall appeared to have done a good job, and he was grateful. After he had been climbing climbing down for a few minutes, he came to a recessed ledge cut into the side, just a step in space away from the ladder. It was big enough for a boy and a rucksack to rest up if necessary. Each wondered if this would be the place for the small gas canister to do its work. He had thought of using it as the bottom, but maybe it could be just as useful here. He looked up and then down again. No, he hadn't come far enough. He had taken a few chances already. He'd risk another. As he descended deeper, the rungs of the ladder became increasingly damp, and the surrounding bricks were taking on a green hue. Pausing briefly, he ran his finger down the wall. It was wet with moisture and slimy with algae. Hands tight on the ladder, he looked around. The dark green moss was everywhere. The bricks now lost behind it. While it made for a more dangerous descent, his feet were sleeping on the wet runs now. At least he knew water was near. He came to another ledge cut into the wall. These mini-platforms were presumably where the winchman had operated from, pulling the endless bucket and soil up to the surface, then guiding them down again. Each wondered. If this was the ledge the winchman had fallen from, the hole below him was black and looked endless. The lights from the top were dwindling. He needed more. Each stepped out of the ladder. The alcove was just deep enough for him to turn around with his rucksack on and he stood only a few centimeters from the drop as he took out the small gas canister, took tubing and blow torch. He turned the nozzle and the gas hissed. The lighter did did its work and each positioned the canister so that the tube and torch hung free. It's light spraying out and down. He put on his rucksack again and climbed back onto the ladder. Each step needed extra care now, and his rate of descent had slowed. After 15 minutes, that felt like days. He spotted the top of one of the pieces of wood he had thrown down. Excited that he had reached the bottom, he picked up speed, his legs and arms working faster again. But he was now skipping the test ladder, part of his routine and suddenly he felt the left side pull away from the wall slightly. It froze. He stared at the rivets that held the ladder in place. One of them sagged slightly in the mossy break. Unsure how long it would hold, he hurried on. In the near darkness, the end of the planks loomed into view. Each was trying to judge how far he still had to go when he, when the rung he was standing on snapped. His right foot had only just touched it when it gave way. When it gave way, shattering clean down the middle. The impact on the next rung, as his foot jerked downwards, caused that to snap too. The third, fourth, and fifth ones gave way the cracking and splitting iron sounding like rapid fire gunshots. Each had fallen nearly two meters in a second. Terrified, he grabbed onto the side of the ladder to to slow himself down, the rust and screws tearing into his fingers. In desperation, he cried out, his voice echoing and rebounding up the web. By leaning into the ladder and pressing with his arms into the metal, he slowed his fall, but his feet were flailing, scrabbling, trying to find the ranks again. A, I am not going to make it, he thought, as an image of his body falling into the depth, the death flashed through the, his mind. He continued to slide, his hands squeaking like bricks On the ladder before his feet finally found a rung that held and he came to a halt the skin on his arms burned and bled but he didn't look at them his hands were laced but his mind shut out the pain he looked down he was up to his tights in water the planks of wood had embedded themselves at the bottom in mud, presumably, and only the tops were above water level. This meant that the bottom was only a little way below them. Instinctively, each looked up. He could see the small canister's orange flame burning steadily, but the ones at the top were tiny, like three stars in the sky. The gas would soon burn up, and each had little enough time. Anyway, 400 feet down, each looked around and saw only shadows and faint shades of grey and brown. He climbed three steps so that he was out of the water, dark black and rippling out from where his legs had just been. He watched as the ripples passed around the submerged planks and disappeared. Visibility just over a meter then. Each knew that there was a tunnel that led off from where he was standing, but the water was too deep to tell where it was. He saw again the lightning bolt shape he had drawn. This horizontal tunnel would run for about 30 feet before the well dropped again into the bowels of the earth. He guessed it wouldn't be on the ladder side, but that was the easiest to check. He removed the towel from inside his t shirt, from inside his shirt, laying it over a rank. He noticed how bloody it was. His hands were plucked with deep cuts with split skins on all his fingers and palms. He mopped up what he could. Next, he slipped off the rucksack and, holding it in one hand, removed his shirt with the other. He looped the sleeves through the rucksack straps and then knotted them tightly onto the ladder. He took off his trainers and socks and chucked them at the far wall where they bounced and fell into the water, the reapers folding back to the ladder. Each stepped back down the three ranks into the water and reached for the nearest plank. It was a roughly cut piece of pine and he tugged it free of whatever sludge it had stuck in. Holding the ladder with his left hand and the wood in his right, he stepped down another rank. Filling his lungs with air, he descended the next two. When he reached the third, He was completely submerged and holding the end of the plank. He started poking and prodding. He quickly realized that, as he had suspected, there was nothing but brick on the ladder side of the well. The tunnel to final drop led off from elsewhere. He climbed out the water again and got his first hint that the sickness wasn't far away. His stomach tightening, he grabbed as many of the plank as he could, reached and bundled them together, laying them flat on the water. He launched himself on top of his makeshift surfboard. With a plank in his hand, he started stabbing clockwise round the well, the wood darting backwards and forward under the water. He had turned through 90 degrees and found only brick, another 90 degree took him back to the ladder. And he started to get worried. If the well ended here, just 400 feet below the ground, he had been wasting his time. Increasingly frantic, he paddled past the ranks and spun around to 270 degrees. His father had been right. Paddling was a useful skill, after all. Last chance, he closed his eyes. There was no mistaking what was coming. The sweats and shaking were beginning again as he pushed the wood under the water. He felt it glance off, what could be a corner piece, and then it shot forward, disappearing out of his hand. Grabbing another plank, He tried again a little further round and sure enough, the wood met with no resistance. This was the tunnel that led to the final drop, 30 feet away. As each got onto the ladder and climbed back up a few ranks, his whole body shook. He hoped he still had the strength for what he had to do. He knew he couldn't swim underwater along 30 feet of tunnel drop the rocks down the remaining 880 feet and make his way back to safety. He couldn't have done that if he'd been fit. With a heavy dose of radiation coursing through him, he knew it wasn't even worth trying. If he he couldn't push the rocks over the edge though, he knew something that could. He reached for the front pocket of his rucksack and removed the silver foil from the tubes of HUMI and SBM, the sting agents. Unfolded and stretched out, the foil was about the size of an A4 a piece of paper. Finding the glass jar of sodium, he removed the stopper and threw it in the water. He laid the foil out of his left down poured the soft chunk of metal onto the foil, the oil leaking away over his fingers. Even in the shadowy darkness, 400 feet down, each could see the reaction begin. The silvery sheen was turning pinkish white as he folded the foil over to make a parcel. He sealed the edge by pinching them together as as if making a cornish pasty. It already felt hot on his hand, his open wounds making him gasp. Crimping the seals as tightly as he could, he held the package in his teeth and released the rucksack from the shirt's knots, then tied the sodium parcel in its place. With enormous effort, he hoisted the rucksack onto his bare shoulders and stepped back into the water. Using his last reserves of strength, he trod the water in front of where he knew the tunnel mouth was. Holding onto the planks of wood to balance the pull of the rucksack, he dived. He only needed to go down a few centimeters to reach the tunnel, and the half swam, half pulled himself along the ceiling as far as could manage. He wanted to go as far far in as possible. The closer he could get to the final drop, the better the chance of sending the rocks to the bottom. But in the underwater darkness, he lost all senses of how far he had gone. As his body weakened, the rock sack pulled him deeper, and he knew he had reached the end. 400 feet below the earth. In a flooded 19th-century well shaft, Ichingam Lofty let go of his rucksack, corkscrewing screwing round, his chest bursting. He felt his way back to the tunnel entrance. As he broke the surface, he inhaled deeply; his breath rasping and ragged. He knew he had only seconds left to finish the job. Grabbing the sodium from his shirt sleeves and ignoring the heat searing into his damaged hand, he dived down for the tunnel a second time and took the parcel as far as he dared. Letting go the span round and swam back for the ladder. How much time it had now deepened. How much time it had now depended, on how tight he had made the seals of in the foil. He started the ranks, his bare feet pushing as fast as they could. He needed the water to be kept away from the sodium for, for as long as possible. he reached the wrangler section where he had crushed through the rusted iron, but he didn't slow down. Pulling himself up with his hands, each was flying. Maybe the body finds untapped results when it needs to. Maybe the fear of dying makes it to do extraordinary things. As he climbed he muttered two NA plus plus two H two zero equal two NAH plus H two. Two N A plus two H two zero equal two NA zero H plus H two over and over, like an incantation. He repeated the formula of the reaction. He was both escaping from the deepening. He was both escaping from and depending on. Sodium added to water leads to sodium hydroxide and hydrogen gas. Bang! 2 Na plus 2 H2O equal 2 Na OH H plus H2. Louder now, as if appealing to the chemistry gods that control all reactions. Each screamed it at the top of his voice, yelling through the well, his voice bouncing, rebounding, magnified. 2Na plus 2H2O equal 2Na OH plus H2. Rang by rang, foot by foot, bloody hand by bloody hand, each climbed away from the water he knew his sodium would blow eventually the water would find its way through the silver foil and the reaction will be instantaneous molten sodium caustic soda and flame would explode in all directions he needed the eruption to be big enough to blow the rucksack along to the end of the tunnel where gravity would take it to the very deepest point 1,285 feet below the Earth's surface, but he also wanted to leave. The ladder cut into his bare chest, his feet and his hands, but his eyes were focused on the small witchman's platform, which was now only a few steps away, three ranks. He'd stopped there. Slowing, it was shaking with nausea and fear. The sweat was blinding him. He whipped it away with his blooded hands. He made the next rank. He was getting closer to the light from the small canister, but it was no brighter. Its supply was running dangerously low. Another rank. The convulsion felt as though it started in his feet, in his feet, and worked its way up through his legs, his hips and stomach. Refusing to stop climbing, each held himself up to the last rung and threw himself off the ladder and onto the ledge as the sickness took him again. Flat on his back, he saw the little canister flame flicker, fade and go out. In the darkness, the five stars of the torches at the top still flickered. That wasn't right, of course. There should only be three, Each had just started to count the flames again when there was a slow rumble from deep in the well, followed by the roar of the water being thrown out of the tunnel at huge pressure. The ledge shook and some of the bricks crumbled, the pieces scattering over him. Water rushed up the well, pushing mud, rocks and his planks of wood with it. It was an underground tsunami. In the tight confines of the tunnel, the explosion threw the water out with extraordinary force. Each had no time to brace himself as filthy, full-smelling, water crushed over him. He was lifted, spinning round and upward, upwards, like a whirlpool in reverse. Burning, choking water stung his eyes, and poured down his throat. Then, as quickly as it has risen, the water level crashed down again, tossing each back onto the, the ledge where he lay like a broken doll. With the, sound, with the sound of the sodium explosion still reverberating and the waves slapping the well's side a hundred feet below, each choking and gasping felt his body shutting down. It hurt. It all hurt. He turned to face the wall. He was burning up and shivering at the same time. He wrapped his arms around himself and curled into a ball. He squeezed his eyes shut to keep out the light and heat which were coming from somewhere. He saw his sister smiling at him and he smiled back. Sorry, he said. He saw Jack waving and tried to wave back. Sorry, he said. His parents called to him. Sorry, he said. Sorry for everything.